Welcome back to an all new, all different aim for the bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And with me today is special podcast person, Christian. Hello. Hello. What is up, my guy? Nothing much. How about nothing you? Much, nothing much. Just uh, ready to talk about today's topic. Me too. Which is Psycho and uh, the trends and impact that it has had on film and uh, society uh, at large if you did not read the title or read the show description. But just before we get into that, our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is simply that we are stating our opinion. We're not saying that what we say is fact or it is the only true or correct interpretation of opinions or events or whatever it is we talk about. You are welcome to agree with us or disagree with us. We may even disagree with each other. Who knows? Psycho, very influential horror film uh, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, came out in 1960. Is it, This is a, f- a movie you're uh, familiar with, Christian? It sure is. I'm very familiar with this film. Okay. I've seen it a couple of times. I haven't seen it recently. I did not rewatch it for our discussion, but I did read. <laughs> I did read about it. It's probably been like 10 years since I've seen Psycho. Okay. But, uh, yeah, very, very influential film, uh, like on its own and like the impact it has had on like, uh, filmmakers who have come after, uh, after, after its release. Big time. I guess the, the, the first place we should start and just like horror, like in general, prior to Psycho, uh, like in the thirties, well, I mean, film starts earlier, but let's just start like in the thirties when we have like the universal monsters, at least Hollywood cinema. Uh, you know, a lot of horror was like monster based or supernatural or um, people coming from or beings coming from other planets or from outer space, basically. Yeah. So a lot of it was kind of like fantastical. You know, that's what generated the scares. I mean, and you could also argue that, like, I, I mean, something I hear constantly is that it's a reflection of what is troubling society at the time. Yeah. And, you know, don't forget either that. Back in the day, especially genre films in general, so science fiction or fantasy, uh, were B movie material. Yeah, you know that these these were considered these were these these were being churned out like crazy, and it was really it was it was about sort of getting getting a second picture, you know, to to accompany the sort of the finer Hollywood. Uh, the, you know, the finer Hollywood pictures, you know, you look at the kind of the stars that were being uh, the, the stars that were that were being cast and hired in the roles at the time. And these weren't A-listers. And I think that's a good thing. Like, I'm not saying that uh, pejoratively, you know, but people like Bela Lugosi, yeah. for example, you know, he was he was an immigrant. He had a really weird accent. You know, he re- really wasn't made for the mainstream, especially in the way that you know, other actors, you know, like what, what, what kind of actors were being cast at that time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Lon Chaney Jr., for example, who is famous for playing the Wolfman in those movies. Well, his father yeah. was, was a much bigger star, uh, well, at least a, uh, a more recognized star than he was, right. Who was famously played the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera, the first um, silent picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lon Chaney Jr. also had, Lots of issues with like alcoholism and whatnot. So he was, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, it, it was a different boat. It was, this was before 
you know, now we take it for, we take the work of Al, what Alfred Hitchcock did for granted. And, you know, we take, you know, now we just assume that like, you know, movies like Get Out, you know, and Jordan Peele and Us and, you know, that, that sort of, I don't mm. know, horror movies can be really top notch. You know, the Silence of the, the Silence of the Lambs, these movies can win every Academy Award and stuff like that. That really wasn't the case back then. Yeah, no, definitely. It was interesting. I was reading, this is a small tangent, I was reading a little bit about Boris Karlov when I was like just researching like, yeah. horror in general. And uh, I forget what his like actual name is, but Boris Karlov is like his stage name. That's right. Yeah, no, he had um, he had a super uh, British name. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it didn't sound nearly as cool, but of course he was trying to, he was smart. He was trying to market himself as something his name actually his name can you look it up but his name was something like i think his last name was pratt like his name was like william it was like william yeah, pratt I think, it was, I think it was let me okay. see here uh yeah Karlov. his name was yeah william henry pratt there we go yeah so it's just like a super a name that is designed to fly under the radar which doesn't really work when you want to headline it on top of a monster picture mm -hmm. boris karloff sounds awesome yeah and the reason why i bring this up because you mentioned like a lot of like horror actors like uh, it was not prestigious necessarily and uh part of the, at least what i read concerning why he changed his name was that he didn't want like basically his acting to kind of like get back to his family because he's from england yeah and so he was kind of like yeah i don't want like my family members to really know no, uh, like I don't want my, my real name yeah. attached to this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it speaks to the kind of like how, how they were viewed. Although horror films were popular, that's why Universal pumped out a whole bunch of them starting in the yeah. 30s. Uh, still kind of seen as like schlocky and stuff like that, especially as you get more towards the 40s and 50s where they just like crank oh, yeah. them out like uh, as, as, as B-movies with kind of like ridiculous plots and premises and all that stuff. So I just thought that was interesting there because I didn't know that uh, about Boris Karloff. I actually thought that was his name until I saw otherwise. Uh, but then when we when we move into oh no that the reason why I wanted to start earlier is um, yeah because then in Hollywood production we get the Hayes Code, which yes. kind of was like imposed morality for lack of a better word on the film production. Because there was a exactly. growing concern, just like almost like every piece of media or technology that comes out, that it's going to ruin children. Like anything you can think of. Like back in the day, like with, um, what's his name? Socrates. You know, telling kids to like learn how to read and write. <laughs> like that was endangering the youth. In yeah, like the, Yeah. In the 1800s, women riding bicycles. That was like the moral yeah. panic. And wearing pants and yeah. riding bicycles yeah that was like oh my god the world's gonna end if we let this happen same thing happened with comics right yeah. it's going to corrupt the youth it's going to turn them gay like and so the same thing happened with uh with with film and so hollywood was basically said told like either you implement a, a kind of like a production code or the government will legislate one for you that's right a kind of self-censorship Exactly. So if you want to look up what the Hayes Code is, because like the actual tenets of it aren't really important, but just know that there was impositions on what you could show, uh, how certain things could be depicted or could not be depicted at all. Mm -hmm. So that that had an effect on how films were produced starting in the late 
1930s, I think it was introduced like early 1930s, but it really started being enforced like, I believe around 1939, 1940. And that's when it like really started like they ha- started hammering it down like we're, we're going to abide by this. But by the time we get to Psycho, its influence is, is, is waning. Mm-hmm. It's no longer as strongly enforced. And in fact, eight years later, it's like abolished completely. And then that's when we get like the, the current rating system that we have now instead right so that way it was more like you decide or well if your parents you decide what you what you what you want your kids to see so in psycho fun fact if you did not know this it's the first time a toilet is seen flushing on screen yeah because of the haze code yeah it's crazy to think and in the movie i believe janet lee's character marion crane is destroying paper and she's like flushing it yeah that's right yeah, she's destroying evidence. Yeah, exactly. She's destroying evidence and the flushing it away. Yeah. And um, a few other things, I believe, kind of brought issues with, like, the Hayes Code that the film, like, disregard. But I think it was, like, the her, her like, she's, like, in her bra and, like, her skirt a lot. Yeah. Uh, in the film, right? So that kind of, you weren't really supposed to show that kind of, like, lewdness, sexiness. I don't think it's personally lewd, but that's how it would have been characterized. Yeah. Also, she's a she's a thief. Yeah, yeah exactly. Criminal, she's, like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. She's a thief, and she's having uh, sex with a guy that she's not married to. Yeah. You know that she's not married, but she's having extramarital sex. You know, yeah. so it's like everything, all the transgressions. Exactly, and because one of the things in the film, uh, sorry, in the, with the Hayes Code, was that any uh, villains or any criminals always had to get, have their comeuppance. They had to be punished. Yeah. Uh, in the end. And so we kind of see that doesn't happen, not only with uh, Janet Lee's character, but also Norman Bates' character. I mean, he sure. does get caught by the police, but like he doesn't get killed. We don't really see any repercussions. In fact, we're left with this unsettling feeling. You know, it was it, in, in a lot of ways that last the final scene of Psycho with Norman Bates and this idea that his killer persona has sort of taken over you know the voice of mother has sort of taken over is unsettling was unsettling to audiences i think in the same way that the ending of the dark knight was sort of unsettling where Mm. you have Heath ledger's joker strung up you know saying we're destined to do this you know forever Mm. you know like you you won't kill me and i won't kill you and so you know we'll keep it, it won't, it'll never end. Yeah. And so there's this kind of same unsettling feeling with Norman Bates where you're going, this guy can't be redeemed. And there's this madness in a way that's going to protect him from real justice, you know, because mm. it's, it's going to absolve him of his criminality in a lot of ways. So taking it back just, just a, a little bit here. So for the, the, the film itself, because we, we kind of started talking about the, the plot and some of the, some of the themes there, which is uh, totally cool. But, Taking it back just a second, uh, one of the things in the in terms of how it was um, the film itself was produced, it was uh, done cheaply. Yeah, because uh, I don't think I don't think studios thought it was going to be a big a big hit. They didn't really no, want to spend money on it. No, they wanted you know like Alfred Hitchcock at that point wasn't he wasn't the master he wasn't really considered the master of horror Mm -hmm. that he is now you know this was alfred hitchcock Uh, psycho came out a year i believe after north by northwest Mm. which is like a spy thriller and it was a mega hit the studio wanted another north by northwest yeah right studios haven't really changed in in the (laughs) 
uh, 60 years since Psycho, where it's just like, no, 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 this works. Don't be creative. Just, <laughs> just do what makes a ton of follow money. Follow the formula. Yeah, that's right. Follow the formula. Give me another North by Northwest. Um, and this clearly, you know, he was not interested in doing a North by Northwest. He was interested in adapting a book called yes. Psycho. Yes. Which incidentally yeah. enough is based on the serial killer. Was it Ed Gaines? Oh, is it? Is that based on Ed Gein too? Yeah, I yeah, mean, it makes if, sense. If you don't know who Ed Gein is, uh, he's like a very prolific for some reason uh, <laughs> serial killer. It, because it, 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 he's had such a huge influence on like storytelling, yeah, and pop yeah. culture, where like a lot of things are 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 based on his crimes, like Silence of yeah. the Lambs, this movie Psycho, uh, a few other yeah. ones. I can't think of off the top of my head, but if you look him up, uh, a lot of stuff comes <laughs> comes from him for some reason. Yeah, this was cheaply made. I don't. When I say cheaply, I don't mean like low production value. I just mean they they had to like cut costs. I believe uh, Hitchcock himself took a smaller fee than he normally would have to do it. The interesting thing uh, they used uh, the set of uh, his show, the studio. Of a show Alfred Hitchcock presents, yeah, to film it, and I believe I read somewhere that that had an effect on how like the film was lit and stuff because it was like a TV studio where they have oh with all the overhead lights yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they could do it differently than I think how you normally would in like a film studio yeah because television obviously you know you have different requirements um you can't really have standing lights like you normally would have on like a film set like that so everything's hung overhead. And so that allowed them to have a, uh, I don't want to say like realistic, but maybe more naturalistic kind of like approach to their filming and the lenses that they used. I believe they used things that were closer to the television. I believe I read that they used 50 millimeter lenses, which is closer to what, how the human eye sees Hmm. in terms of it's the viewing angle. So, so that had uh, an effect on how, on how the, film was 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 produced how, how it was shot and of course uh getting more into the the plot of of psycho and then after i guess we'll touch on a little bit it's uh it's cultural impact especially when it when it came out but uh so we, we start off and correct me if i'm wrong because you've probably seen it more recently than i have but we start out with uh, our main character jenny marion crane is that what i said before <laughs> Yeah, Marion Crane, that's right. Right, yeah, she's, I believe she's in Arizona? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because yeah. I, ah. yeah, because they sent, uh, yeah, they sent a, a second unit crew to go scope out locations for, um, for the exterior shots that were, that were done at, for the beginning of the film. And so she, I know she's like committed a crime, did they, are they defrauding someone or, are they, or do they steal no, something? They, they, she stole money from, that's a, it. yeah, she stole from, from her work. Yeah, exactly. Right. And she's like, I'm going to go away. Like, I'm going to like leave town, basically. That's right. And that's kind of so it kind of sets it up like it's going to be some kind of like road trip. Like I'm on the run. I'm kind of thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking of uh, like Thelma and Louise, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. That's how it positions us. But of course, we take we take a left turn. Almost literally, we take a left turn when she pulls off to stop for the night. To stay at the Bates Motel. That's right. So uh, that's where we meet Norman. Yeah. Our uh, our other main character. That's right. 
And so she rents a room. She's like, okay, I'm just going to stay the night. Then I'm going to be gone in the morning. But of course, things don't go to plan. that way. Yeah, exactly. All right. You know what they say about the best laid plans of mice and men. Mm-hmm. And this is where the twist happens. So this is the big twist. I guess really, I don't think we've seen something like this, at least not in popular cinema beforehand. This is the, this is the famous shower sequence, which I'm sure uh, if you're listening, you've come across it. If you have not seen the film itself, you've it's seen been references yeah, to it. Yeah. There's been parodies, references, the music itself yeah. uh, is, I don't know. It's like iconic, I think in the actual sense of the word, because I know that word gets used a lot for things that are just, you know, not, yeah, yeah, not really. But this is like a defining piece of one filmmaking sound and music. And the interesting thing about this, uh, which I didn't realize, like, think, like thinking back on it, you think it lasts like 30 seconds, a minute, maybe. But the whole shower scene is uh, like almost three minutes, almost three and a half minutes. Something yeah. like that. I think it's like 77 cuts. Yeah, it, it, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, builds, no. well, it, it also, that's right. No, no, I know what you mean. It, yeah. it sort of, it builds the tension. It sits in it. And, and this is not, there, that's the thing. So before this movie came out, like there was no, there's nothing to compare it to. So audiences weren't anticipating yes. this happening. Yes. They weren't, this, this woman is in a shower, right? So it's just like normally, the you know men would go see this when when they would see a woman in the shower in the theater it would be like an x-rated movie you know it wouldn't time. be oh well, it doesn't necessarily right. have to be an x-rated movie but it's just that little bit of of a film where it's just like yeah we don't got a plot but here's a little little That's bit right. of uh something, yeah. something for you yeah. yeah it's kind of like it reminds me of that family guy joke where it's like they're producing like some kind of schlocky film and then the director's like Hey, will you take off your top? And the girl's like, yeah, I'll do it. And it's like, all right, we got a movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that was the, and it still happens to this day too, right? Where, you know, it's, it's a shitty film, but okay, we'll put a little bit of TNA in there. And uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or um, um, I, I, as Game of Thrones in its early seasons perfected the ability to, you know, get exposition out oh, during yes. a sex scene. The sex position, uh, yes. That's right. Which was, you know, pretty effective, I think, in, in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it definitely toyed with expectations, for sure. Basically, the setup of the shower scene itself, and then, of course, killing our main character. like And, like, like Janet Lee was the star of this picture. Yeah. Like, she was, she was a name. She was a real star. And it's like, so it would be, it would be like... You're going to see Mission Impossible and then Tom Cruise dies in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, or or actually a, probably a better a better example, though less effective, was the 2016 Godzilla, where they completely marketed this movie as like Brian Cranston's in yes, it. Yes, yes. And then Brian Cranston is in the first 25 minutes and dies. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie, you're stuck with Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth <laughs> Olsen. And like, God bless them. They're not bad actors. Yeah. But you know, you're not going like, oh, I bought my ticket to see Aaron Taylor Johnson in a Godzilla movie. You're like, whoa, Heisenberg's in a Godzilla movie? Yeah. I want to see this. Yeah. But uh, that was not the case. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we have our main character killed in a brutal. Fa- it's not explicit. It's not graphic. It's not gory, but it is violent. That's right. It's not gratuitous. Yeah. But it's violent. It, it is uh, violent. Like, uh, um, 
77 camera angles and like 52 cuts or something like that. So yeah. they really like build attention, as you mentioned previously. It reminds me of, uh, well, one, it's a good use of montage, mm-hmm. which is kind of like extending uh, a certain event or sequence through the use of editing. And uh, it reminds me of uh, the, the, what you learn in like film. If you, if you do any kind of film school, you always look at the Battleship Potemkin, like, which is, I think, only used exclusively to kind of explain montage. <laughs> Because only, exactly. only the only thing I ever uh, mentioned from that film is the Odessa Steps sequence. So if you don't know what that is, it's basically these soldiers marching on like these peasants or protesters. And, uh, you know, they get attacked. And to build the tension, the, the film uses montage. So it uses a number of cuts to kind of like extend the tension of what's happening in the scene. There's a part where like there's a, a mother with, with her stroller, uh, with her baby in the stroller. And it kind of starts, you know looking like it's going to fall down the stairs or roll down the stairs and you know yeah, yeah, yeah. she tries to reach for it and it's a moment in real life that would like you know the the carriage goes down the stairs and that's it but you know it slows that down a little bit through the use of montage to build that tension it's kind of like in horror films for example yeah. when you're hiding in the closet from the killer right and then you see like the doorknob slowly turning they're coming in the room like that slow turn of the doorknob that's like part of the montage yeah and so for the shower scene it uses that to great effect because you know first of all you have generally screaming for like what sound uh, what feels like 10 minutes throughout that throughout that thing and then you just have the constant shots of like the knife coming knife, down yeah. and then uh, you know what is it she kind of like falls over like you have her body yeah. flailing it just looks really brutal you're just like oh i would not want to experience that i think that's why it shook a lot of people because it just oh, like and the use, you know, the, the, that legitimately iconic sting, the music oh, yeah. sting, the ching, 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 as, uh, as she's being stabbed to death. It's like, it's so, even the, even the sound uh, carries that violence to you. So it's so uns, uh, upsetting, mm-hmm. you know, watching that for the first time. Yeah. And uh, I read while researching this film that Hitchcock originally didn't want any music in that scene. And then uh, the composer, like, did it anyways. And then he said, like, you know, I think you're, it's going to work with this. And then Hitchcock was like, yeah, yeah, yeah that makes it a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, of course, it ends, you know, like, uh, this also had been parodied. And I know The Simpsons and probably a few other things. But, like, after she, it's over, you just kind of have her lifeless body. You know, it kind of focuses on her eye. And then, like, you have the transition to, like, the circling blood going down the, the drain. drain. Yeah. Oh, man. And then they actually use hot uh, chocolate sauce. If That's you're right, chocolate syrup for that. Yeah, because it was—it's a black and white film, so yes. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then, and then the whole—the whole course of the film changes at this point now. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Then it's then it's like uh, imagine for audiences who who weren't quite sure what to expect. The whole cinema, like, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but the whole cinematic experience was different from what they were used to. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know before movie theaters were pressured to basically have a movie playing always, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's always playing on loop. So you could just show up to the movie house whenever and, you know, catch the last half of the picture and then stick around to catch the first half of the picture when it, when the reels start up again. Uh, but in this one, Hitchcock insisted that, you know, that showtimes 
for the movies for the movie be respected and that once the movie starts people aren't allowed to go back in because he was well aware that part of the part of the punch that mm-hmm. was packed into this movie were those twists exactly you know and so this was it was it was in this aspect of it it was very experimental for like a mainstream hollywood picture mm-hmm. and like what a ride for the people who would have seen it you know for the first time i think this is actually just something that i want to say um it's more personal and less critical i yeah, guess yeah but um in retrospect um i had a similar experience watching psycho that i had watching it's a wonderful life and that sounds like a super strange and nonsensical comparison but Mm -hmm. here's here's what i'm trying to say is psycho is a movie that you can still watch and enjoy today unironically and like without having to put on the lens of oh but you know this is like you have to understand like this movie's fucking boring to a modern audience, but mm-hmm. back then it was wicked cool. And look all, at all the cool stuff it was doing. Yeah. This movie, you th- it's such a tight, short film. Like it's so lean that you're never, like you're never just sitting in your seat going like, okay, you know, like, uh, you know, you, your thoughts never wander. You're always gripped by what's going on. And it, the acting was modern. So, you know, if you, the thing is when you start watching other movies of that period yeah. in the same way that when you start watching other movies from the period in which It's a Wonderful Life was released. Yeah. And then you can, you compare with Jimmy Stewart, who also worked a lot with Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. was doing in that movie. It blows your fucking mind because so many, this, this was back in the day where movie stars are still talking like this, see, with that weird transatlantic accent. Yeah. And Jimmy Stewart was so natural, was so modern um, that it really it, people still watch it today because it doesn't feel dated. It feels contemporary in the same way that Psycho feels so modern. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for uh, It's a Wonderful Life, it was ahead of its time yeah. and and didn't make money in the movie theaters and was a huge flop and only became. Um, uh, was only recognized for the masterpiece that it was like decades later, whereas Psycho was a huge hit, mm-hmm. you know? And I think part of the reason why it was such a huge hit is that it was a movie that understood, that was one of the first movies to understand that a, a film can be not just entertainment, but an event. Yeah. This is something that, you know, pushed Steven Spielberg and George Lucas into the stratosphere. This idea that you can build up a movie to the point where it's just an event. Like it's, it's, it's like the Pope showing up, you know, (laughs) everybody wants to go see this movie because they all want to have that experience of seeing Jaws or seeing Jurassic Park or seeing Star Wars. It's an experience. Psycho became an experience, a kind of, a kind of carnival attraction because it was, it was so weird and pushing the boundaries and people were walking away. And even if they didn't like it, they walked, they walked away going, I don't know what the hell happened. And I didn't like it. But if you heard someone say, I didn't like it, but if it spooked the hell out of me or I still don't get it, you want to go see it. Yeah. You want to go experience it for yourself. Yeah, that's definitely what happened at the time. Because as you, as you, as you mentioned, right, movie theaters were places where you could kind of just like come and go. Uh, you can kind of like talk and converse. Like it was like a hangout spot, like almost like a bar kind of thing. It didn't really matter because, like, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you had like the B films 
coming in, right? So theaters would have their A picture. That's why they're called B films. They would have their yeah. A picture. That's the one to get you in to the theater. But then you had a bunch of B sides or B films that were just rolling, you know, when they couldn't show the 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 the, the main attraction, basically, right? Because, you know, theaters couldn't just show one one film and, okay, we're closed, right? We need people constantly, constantly coming in. So, oh, and, and don't, don't forget, yeah. right. You can't, this was like, this was back when movies were actually films and there are physical media. Yeah. And like when you got a print yeah. of a picture, like if anyone who's where I'm lucky enough to have worked with 35 millimeter film and it degrades, like the more you put it through a projector, the yeah. more it degrades, it gets beat up. Right. And so you can't have it playing all the time. You have to, you have to give that print a break. And yeah. Put in something and new. you can't get like, it's not like you can just get like 30 copies of the print. It's Hells no. <laughs> Hells no. I yeah. mean, there was no di- distribution back then. Not, not yeah. like it is today. Exactly. So you had to fill the, the time of the theater with other stuff. So you would always have people coming in and out. And so uh, theater owners were like really skeptical of, of what Hitchcock wanted to do, obviously, because they're like, no one's, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to have anyone come in, basically. Like, it's just going to ruin the theater going experience. But when it came out and it became this huge hit uh, and you had people lining up. So as yeah. you said, it was like an event, right? People are like, oh, shit, I need to go see this movie. What's what's going on? Like, it kind of reminds me of, um, although not to the same general impact, but just like paranormal activity yeah another that's a good one. film like yeah super cheap to make yeah and made a ton of money but that was like a slow build-up for that yeah film i remember hearing whispers about it people kind of mentioning it in word uh, of mouth exactly yeah. like i see people yeah. talk about online and all this stuff and i was just like what what is this film i gotta go see it kind of thing yeah. so psycho was like same kind of thing in terms of like people like oh i can't go in uh okay well what what, what what's the big deal and even if, yeah, even if you didn't like it, the shower scene, so impactful that, like, it just freaked people out, like, in general. Sometimes I think not necessarily because of Psycho, but probably a little bit because of Psycho. Like, if I'm showering, it really does highlight how vulnerable you are. Hell's yeah. You know? Yeah, think, think about it. When people, like, after people went to go see Jaws, like, yeah. there's a whole generation of people who are scared to go in the ocean. Yeah. And it was the same thing with Psycho. You know, when you see that movie... And you go take the next time you go take a shower, you're terrified. Like you're you're looking past the you know you're pulling the the curtain and you're checking what's going on. Yeah, it it because it creates such an unsettling feeling. When I was researching this, I read Janet Lee said that like when she saw that sequence, she was like, "I never shout like I never shout without locking, making sure everything was locked." And I made yeah. sure I had the freaking <laughs> curtain open and the door open, so I could see if anyone was coming at me. Like I'm gonna be ready. Like. Like that's that's yeah. how good it was at creating that uncomfortable feeling, that sense of you know foreboding of dread of doom that could come upon yeah. you when you're in such a vulnerable uh, state. So um, that's like the main thing of the film itself is like that thing, and obviously our our character who who commits the murder, our Norman Bates, uh, he kind of like changed what a horror person character could be because as we mentioned in the earlier days of hollywood um hollywood cinema uh horror films were the 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 characters were were monsters or some kind of fantastical thing 
or some whereas, being from outer space. Whereas this is like a normal everyday he person. Was so, he was so wholesome. Exactly. He was such a, he was the, he was white, clean cut, spoke well, innocent, lived with his mother. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's kind of like the person you would like least uh, suspect. Yeah. But of course there are a little hints, you know, of course. given like as any, I guess, decent uh, story would give you, mm-hmm. you know, the, the line that comes to mind for me anyways, is like, we all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah. You know, so that kind of like had a huge influence on like, well, what could be scary? And I think going back to the shower scene for a second, that's what made it so terrifying. Cause it's not, it's not an alien that came in and, and attacked, you know, Marion, or it's not like some kind of weird monster or like a weird bug or something, you know, mm-hmm. a vampire, a werewolf that came in. Right. It's like yeah. a, person like that could realistically happen to you absolutely and so that was its impact and and of course the character norman bates we said we find out that his mother is her psyche is kind of like living in his head now whether you want to take that to be her his mother's actual literal psyche is in his head or if it's just <laughs> something of his own creation of his mother and say, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever, but you know, something's up there. Yeah. And so it gave us a new kind of villain, a new kind of character. And this is kind of like the impact, the lasting impact, other than like people being afraid to take a shower, is how it kind of changed what horror films could do, what they could present to us. Yeah. There's one thing, there's one thing that I will say, I will add at this point, just because if there are film buffs uh you know listening they'll they'll be steaming at this point <laughs> but uh, i do want to mention the existence of another film yes uh which in 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 an important way you know got there first yep okay. uh, which which was a, a a film that came out the same year as psycho except it came out um it came out two two or three months before psycho it was a film called peeping tom okay i think i came so, across this yeah yeah, so Peeping Tom was, it was a British produced film and it's an awesome movie. Unfortunately, it's, it can only be found, I think it's the Criterion Collection owns Peeping Tom. And um, Peeping Tom was, it's all set in London. It was uh, directed by a super celebrated filmmaker called uh, Michael Powell. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Michael Powell, for example, he was he directed like the Red Shoes. Um, I think he was nominated for an Oscar for uh, for something as a writer, maybe. Anywho, he was he was a he was a well known and well loved um, British director, and so he did this movie called Peeping Tom, um, which which didn't nearly have the same success as Psycho did, mm-hmm. um, but it. It, it has the same kind of subject matter, which is this clean cut. It, 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 in, in, a, in a lot of ways, is consi- a purist would say that it was the first slasher just because it came out first and it features, uh, um, um, you know, a human character, you know, carrying out very, very violent deaths. Uh, deaths. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely worth checking out, like film fans, horror fans. If you can get your hands on any kind of copy of Peeping Tom, it's an awesome movie. It's got great atmosphere. 
it's playing it's playing with it's sort of coming up with modern horror tropes as it's going along mm. which is really cool so it doesn't come together as seamlessly as psycho does mm. which is you know maybe why it wasn't as popular but definitely definitely worth checking out okay that is a fair point i did uh, yeah i did come across it a little bit but i didn't read too into it got it we get into yeah uh kind of like the slasher genre yeah this is kind of like what sparks that shift throughout like the 60s and 70s and then yeah. you know, later on where we start getting uh well one they become more graphic yeah. in its depictions of violence because as we said eight years after psycho comes out we get rid of the haze code so that would have really you know stopped films from showing really graphic depictions of violence or sex as a lot of these horror type films would become known for, especially once you start getting really schlocky, (laughs) cheap, cheaply made horrors, slash slasher films. We start getting films that start demonstrating human, you know, everyday kind of people as, as our villains, as our monsters, quote unquote monsters, as our antagonists who pursue generally our female protagonist. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of starts here with with Psycho. Yeah. And then as we get into yeah, like the late sixties, early seventies, we have the the shift color film. Yes. I mean, color film existed yeah, yeah. before, but no, no, no. Uh, now it, was, it becomes mainstream. Exactly. We yeah. start seeing yeah, it yeah. a lot more frequently. Becomes cheaper it's more, to do. It's exactly. More accessible. It's more more affordable, more accessible. Exactly. Yeah. And so once you get that shift to color, that's when a shift to color. That's when you start getting like. You know, all the blood uh, showing. And, and like I said, the haze code's gone. So we can we can show more explicit graphic uh, graphic stuff going on. And then we start establishing our more familiar tropes that we know now to uh, yeah. exist. Right. We start getting, you know, the group of, it eventually gets to like, you know, a group of teenagers doing naughty <laughs> yeah, yeah. stuff that they're not supposed to do. The, the, the final girl. Exactly. All those tropes. Yeah, yeah kind of kind of uh come from 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 this film uh from psycho uh i guess we could briefly touch on kind of like the sequels and, yeah. and the remake yeah, yeah, of yeah. it because yeah, one, one thing that's interesting to me about this film even though it's uh, it was hugely successful huge cultural impact on it not 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 a good franchise and i know that's nope. what the film studios want they want Franchise, which is why we keep seeing things related to the cycle come out, but it's just it just doesn't take hold. I think it's just one of those things where it's like the movie, like the 1960 film, like that was it. Like you can't really recreate that. It reminds me of like Ghostbusters, where exactly. it's like yeah. that film, like it is, in a bottle. exactly it is what it is. Yeah. It came out like you can't recreate that. I mean, it'll no. be interesting to see the one that's supposed to come out this year. I think if it even is a fraction uh, of what the original film is. Yeah. Ghostbusters afterlife, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's just like the, the original film, that's, that's where it's all held. Yeah. Cause there was, there have been a couple of sequels. We have psycho two, three and four, I believe. Yep. Which uh, have you seen those? Uh, so I've seen psycho two and three. Okay. Two and three. So psycho two came out in 1983. So it's about 23 years later. 
Yeah. Uh, Psycho 2 came out three years after that in 1986. And then Psycho 4, The Beginning, so I guess that's supposed to be a uh, prequel type film, came out four years after Psycho 3 in 1990. Yeah. So let's see. So uh, Anthony Perkins returns as Norman Bates in all yes. those films. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Before he passed away. Okay. And did you, were they enjoyable at all or are they like so bad it's good or is it just kind of middle of the road boring, would you say? I would say, no, I would, okay. I would say that they're, they're, they're entertaining, they're enjoyable and they're interesting. I think the third, I think the second was trying harder to be a good movie. Mm -hmm. And so it's well made. The third movie is doing more interesting things. And I don't want to talk about it in greater, in too much detail, just because much in the same way that you don't want to, like the psycho is pretty well known and ubiquitous and yeah. you know you can't really spoil it, but these movies are lesser known and part of the joy is sort of discovering them. Sure. Uh, but in my opinion, they are worth uh, checking out if you're a horror movie fan. Okay. Yeah. Like if you're into the history of it, then it's definitely worth checking out. Okay. Fair enough, because like I said, I have not uh, seen these films at all. I was unaware yeah. of them until like a couple of years ago. I think I saw a couple of like things on YouTube yeah. reviewing like the Psycho um, sequels. It's kind of like, um, what's, that? what's that film? The Exorcist. Yes. Right? Huge, massive, successful Success. film. And I love okay. The Exorcist, so it's freaky as fuck. Uh, yeah. Try to make a franchise out of it and... Didn't work can't you can't do it just there's just something about that original film it was the right time right place right time for it yeah and you just can't you just can't recreate it the thing is the um, the psycho and its sequels so much time elapsed between the two that it's apples and oranges it's almost it almost feels like different movies right like it's not part of a franchise other than the fact that there's a numerical value to them, you know, like two and three and four. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the first Psycho was black and white, was made in 19, was made in the late 50s, mm-hmm. released in 1960. Yep. The sequels came out in the 80s and 90s. That's like night and day in terms of everything. So it's easier to enjoy Psycho 2 and 3 because it's harder to compare it to the original. Whereas the Exorcist films... Mm-hmm. We're trying really hard, even though like, even though it's almost impossible to compare it to to the original, there was less time in a way, or at least a less, uh, a less like the changes that happened in film between the 60s and the 80s were massive, mm-hmm. massive. You know, it's like comparing silent movies to the movies of the 40s. You know, you're just like, you're like, yeah, okay, 15, 20 years pass, but it's massive. It's a massive change. And there's a massive culture change happening in the arts in the US at that time. So it yeah. makes sense as well. But it's compounded, it's it's exacerbated. Whereas it's a lot easier for the Exorcist sequels to fall short to the original compared to the psycho sequels. Also, there was the the TV series Bates Motel. So yeah. this is again uh trying to use the character of Norman Bates, trying to, again, for, uh, like, film studios, TV studios, cash in on that, on that property because, because the 1960 film is so, so popular, so well-known throughout, so impactful in, in, in our popular culture and filmmaking. 
Have you yeah. seen Bates Motel? Did you watch that? So I watched the first season of both of Bates Motel, okay. uh, and then I stopped because it. Uh, I know it wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Okay. I have not seen it at all. I mean, for me, like any TV series that's like based on a film movie. Yeah. They just never. They just never work. Like I, I've seen. Yeah. Like, I, I think I watched a few episodes, like a Fargo, like yeah. the TV series. It was okay, but I mean, I don't know. Just, just watch the film Fargo if you if you like Fargo. Uh, what 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 else did I see? I saw that terrible freaking pilot of uh, Zom- Zombieland. Oh yeah, for Amazon Prime. Did oh, you see that? Man. No, I did not. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, uh, when Amazon Prime first released or first set up, whatever, uh, they had uh, a couple of original series. Uh, attached to it that were you know supposed to be hooks to 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 lure you in to subscribing and they made like the first episodes of those like four or five series available for free like i think on youtube or or something like that and i forget what the other ones were but they did have like zombieland the film based on the film uh, with uh uh, jesse eisenberg and um woody harrelson they're like jack ryan but that was more successful oh is that one yeah too Yeah, yeah okay yeah. Yeah. So I watched that first episode. I was just like, oh, this is freaking terrible. What did I see? I saw Rush Hour. I believe they made a TV series of that. I saw like yeah, a couple of episodes. Um, lethal Weapon. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. I just, I was just kind of curious with, with some of those, right? I'm just like, what, what, what is this exactly? And yeah. every time I uh, disappointed. I guess the only time I could really say I enjoyed something was like when I was a kid and I, it was cartoon related. So the real Ghostbusters. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, like, dude. Yes. That yeah. kind of stuff. I guess you could also put Batman the Animated Series if you wanted there too. I would. Yeah. Like, but any, I guess, more recent non-cartoon related te- television series based off of a film just doesn't work. I've seen a few things. Uh, you know, there, what was it? There was Uncle Buck. There was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There was Bill and Ted. <laughs> A whole lot of that kind of stuff. It just never, yeah. never works. My Big Fat Greek sitcom or whatever it was called. My oh, my God. Big yeah. Fat Greek wow. Life, I think. N- none of it works. So for Bates Motel, I mean, I do see here that it lasted for five seasons. So I guess it was somewhat popular? successful or, yeah, popular. It aired from 2013 to 2017. But it's just kind of a thing that it doesn't really appeal to me. In, mm-hmm. in any which way, uh, what, what's the what's the one they did with Hannibal Lecter? Is just called Hannibal. Hannibal, Hannibal, yeah, yeah. So like for like I love Silence of the Lambs. I've seen the sequels. Obviously, not as good as Silence of the Lambs. No. And I know because it is Hannibal done. Yes, yes, yeah. it's done. And I know yeah. they're making a series based on uh, Clary Sterling's character. They are, yeah. And they can't mention Hannibal. Yeah, I saw that. It's weird. This is this is the issues that come up with like copyright and like licensing mm-hmm. and all that stuff. If you're wondering, if you're listening, you're wondering why that's the case. Yeah, it's because of uh, because of that. It can get really complicated. Who has mm-hmm. the right to use what and who's the distributor and you know, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, even in the case of Sons of the Lambs, like Hannibal, like it could be a good show. It just doesn't appeal to me. Because I'm just like, I just like Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the sequels, like, it's just not as good. What was the second one called? Uh, uh, Red Dragon. Uh, sorry, no. no. So there was Silence of the Lambs, and then there was just Hannibal. 
Oh, it was just called was, Hannibal. Okay, it was just called Hannibal. Yeah, which starred Julianne Moore. Yeah, and Gary Gary Oldman, and then it was Red Dragon. And uh, I guess before we go, we'll just briefly talk about the 1998 remake by uh, Gus Van Sant. That's okay. why. I, yeah, that facial yeah. expression you made right there. That's why I left it until <laughs> yeah. the very end. Because it's just freaking terrible. If you have not seen the 1998 um, remake, I mean, if you don't like yourself and you want to, like, punish yourself for something, like, watch watch the Gus Van Sant remake. It's basically a shot-for-shot remake remake of, of Psycho starring, uh, was it Vince Vaughn and I think Anne Heche? Yep. Vince Vaughn and Heche Vigo Mortensen was in that. Okay, yeah. So Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates. And it's just, it's just not a good idea. Took, no, it took all the subtlety, too, out of the original. That's the other thing I did see. I think I saw it, like, I can't remember if I, like, rented it one time or if I just saw it on TV or whatever, like, a long time ago. Like, that's, like, I saw that film once and I've never gone back to it. Yeah. It's just, what I, while researching for, for this topic here, I came across, uh, obviously, because if you, if you do research or you do want to read up on Psycho, the remake is going to come up. Oh, but yeah. I saw a thing. I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently when Gus Van Sant won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, he had said some offhand, offhand comment that he was going to, his next thing he was going to uh the next project he was going to do was uh, redo Psycho, but shot for shot. Apparently, it just has like a joke or something. And then some studio somewhere thought that, oh, hey, that's actually a good idea. Here's money to do that. And he was kind of like, well, you're paying me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, good for him for getting paid yeah. to, to do that. But shame I, on him for doing <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, you got paid to 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 do that. So apparently that's the genesis of, of how it came about. I don't know if that's true or, or, or whatever. It's, it is funny if you think about it. But yeah, it's really like when we say shot for shot, it's like even like yep. small minimal camera movements are like the same. And as you, as you mentioned, it really does remove a lot of the subtlety, a lot of implied things yeah. that occur in the original. And it doesn't add anything. Part, I was thinking no. about this earlier today, like, is it is it just these are my two thoughts on on some of those changes either one it it was well i need to do something a little bit different i don't want to just do the exact same thing (laughs) so i'm gonna add yeah yeah a little thing there or i'm thinking is this like late 90s early 2000s like edginess like oh i gotta make Uh, it a bit edgy like so we're gonna show some explicit stuff here maybe a bit of both that that's what I'm thinking for it because I'm like, why? What's the purpose of it? Because one of the major changes is like the the famous scene where uh, Marion is like, uh, she goes to the bathroom to like, I guess like get ready for for bed, yeah. clean up or whatever, you know. She gets you know changed, and there's a painting that Norman removes, and he looks through, and he kind of spies on her. And this is the voyeurism aspect of the film, but uh, in the 1998 film. Uh, it's very explicit, yeah, that he's like, yeah, he's masturbating, but it doesn't add anything. It's just, it's just extremely like gratuitous. <laughs> just like, no, I would say that it de- it deters because um, part of the reason why Norman was such an effective character is that you wouldn't believe that he was an evil murderer, exactly. or that he was an insane 
murderer. It was very subtle. The the foreshadowing going on there that there was something wrong was subtle mm-hmm. and it was light and it was tactically used. Whereas knowing that once you know that Norman is a hundred percent a creep, yeah, from the get go, yeah, then there's no surprise. You know, yeah. then you're just like, oh, of course this guy can dress up like his dead mother and kill people. Like obviously because he's a fucking creep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it 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 really does remove any of the subtlety. So you're just kind of like, eh, what's the point? Like, and I'm sure there are a few other changes, but I'm really not invested to go and find out what those are either by reading about it or rewatching the film, which I will not do. No, <laughs> not even for this discussion. I will not rewatch that film because it's, it's meaningless at the end of the day. I would recommend you just watch the Psycho. original film. Uh, that has everything you need. It's still effective, as you uh, had mentioned previously. It's still effective at doing what it does. Uh, it still fits in with our contemporary views in terms of like filmmaking and, and the acting and all that stuff. The sound. It still holds up, basically. Yeah, it sure does, man. And uh, yeah, the 1998 film was just like. What's that scene? Was it in uh, uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back when they're doing Good Goodwill Hunting too? Yes, it is. That's it's yeah. That's and you exactly have Gus it. Van Sant. Or was it Ben Affleck's? Like, should we do another take, Gus, or whatever? And he's just like count, sitting over there, like counting his money. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever you want to do, sure. <laughs> like yeah. that's what I imagine the set of this <laughs> film was like. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll leave it there, unless you have something else you want to add, Christian. No, sir. No. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, this bears repeating. Do not watch the 1998 version of Psycho. Do yourself a favor, man. Just stick to the original. Watch the sequels if you want. Like that's cool. Watch yeah, the Bates oh, Motel. Yeah. Watch the sequels. Never mind the remake. Yeah. Skip. Skip the remake there. So uh, I have been your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as J Pav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. Special thanks to our special podcast person joining me for uh, this discussion. Christian, it's been great having you, as always. No, oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course, anytime. And uh, yeah, before we go, make sure you check out the podcast October Jones and Fish with Legs made by fellow podcast people Dexter and Alex, who will be uh, coming up on a future episode. So stay tuned for that. Give us a like or subscribe to us if you're on a platform that allows for that. Help us spread the word for 2021. Uh, So, yeah, everyone, thank you for listening. Everyone, please stay safe. Peace.